You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This course is from our International Catholic University Classics Collection, originally recorded between 1995 and 2005. In this lecture, the purpose is to go back to the point we made in the first, which was that to understand the faith and to communicate it to our culture and understand it better ourselves, we need to use our reason because God gave us reason as the preliminary to listening to his word. And I explained also that I want to use the term philosophy in the broadest possible sense. It includes all kinds of knowledge that we arrive at by our own human powers, and thus is contrasted to theology, which deals with those things that God has told us and that we would not know unless he has revealed himself through his word. Now, at the outset of trying to use our experience and reason to prepare ourselves to hear the word of God and to speak it to our culture, we have to make a very basic decision. And that decision has to do with epistemology. Epistemology is one of those bad words in philosophy that confuse a lot of people. But what it means is how we get our knowledge. What is the process by which from raw experience we come to a human understanding of the world we live in, an understanding of ourself. The word comes from the Greek logos, which means a kind of study or science, and episteme, which means knowledge. So it's reflection about the sources and the process of knowledge. Obviously, that's going to be very important to everything else we study because we can't know whether something is true unless we can trace it back to its source in human experience. There are three great options that stand before us in the matter of epistemology. And when you look through the whole history of philosophy, and of theology, you see that these three types of epistemology occur over and over and over again. They are rooted in the very way our human mind is constructed. The first of these is materialism. According to the materialists, all of our knowledge comes from our senses, from what we can see, touch, taste, feel. 
And then we process that somehow. And there's not a lot of agreement on just how we process it. But we process that raw data coming from our senses. And we discover, as modern science seems to have done, that we can explain our world in terms of matter, matter and energy. The very things that we can see, touch, taste, and smell. And nothing else is necessary. Consequently, the materialist eventually says, well, truth is a certain process in the brain. Our brain is a material organ. It operates according to natural scientific laws, like a computer does. And eventually, we will understand just how we arrive at valid knowledge in comparison to knowledge that is not valid. Because obviously the scientist wants valid knowledge, knowledge that will enable him to predict what will happen in the laboratory. And the technologist wants to have valid knowledge about how to control the world. If he does a certain thing, certain results will follow. So for the materialist, truth is a certain way that the brain works. The brain, something like a computer, can yield good results or it can crash. And everything will eventually be explained in these terms. You can see then that for the materialist, the philosophical aspect of science has to do with showing just what I have said, showing that it is sufficient to talk about the material aspects of reality. That will lead us to all the truth that is possible for the human mind. Materialism is not a new thing. Among the Greek thinkers, there were many materialists, particularly the two schools called the Stoics and the Epicureans. They differed among themselves about the meaning of life, but they agreed that there is nothing in the world except matter. And the Epicureans, who perhaps gave the clearest explanation of this, said that everything is made out of atoms floating around in empty space. And the combination of atoms makes the bodies that we see, and then the bodies come apart and the atoms float away and enter into some new combination. That is what's called a mechanistic explanation of the world, and that kind of thinking still exists today. I think that most of our people who study natural science, whether it be physics or chemistry or even modern psychology, tend to think in those terms. 
terms. They have been educated in those terms to think that all the puzzles of the world will finally be solved in terms of matter. And the only kind of valid knowledge we have is knowledge of the material. That's one of the possible epistemologies. And a theologian ought to take that seriously. It's clear that whatever else may be true, this material world is here. We can touch it. We see it. We hear it as it vibrates. That's certainly the case. And if our theology is in contradiction to what we know about the material world, our theology must be false, and the faith that it tries to explain is in question. We must take materialism seriously. If we have not thought it through and seen the truth that is in it, we are not ready to be theologians, particularly in our age, in our culture, where modern science that tends to materialism is so prominent. Not many years ago, of course, Marxism looked like it was going to dominate the world. And it still is prevalent in China and other places in the world, the Sudan. Marxism was based on materialism. Karl Marx was a philosopher who came to the conclusion that there is nothing but the material and that consequently the way to freedom, human liberation, will come from a better understanding of the laws of matter. He believed that it is the way that we make our living, in other words, gain our food, shelter, clothing, the material things that we need that determines our whole life and determines the course of history. And he convinced millions of people. Now, communism is a little bit out of fashion. It didn't work out very well. And yet, our secular humanist culture, and which tends to dominate the world today, under the leadership of the United States, is not very far from being as materialistic as communism was. And in theology, Marxism, with its concern for social justice, and its interest in economics has a big influence. Liberation theology, although it now has repudiated Marxism, nevertheless started with Marx's ideas and is influenced by them. We therefore have to take the materialist option quite seriously. The second epistemological option is the very opposite of materialism. We might call it spiritualism. 
We don't mean by that, of course, spiritualism in the sense of psychics and ghosts and so on. But we do mean that for it, the opposite of materialism is the great truth. Reality is fundamentally spiritual. That epistemological option was taken early in the history of Greek philosophy by the great philosopher Plato. Plato believed that the world around us, the world of the senses, is only a shadow of reality. It is not reality itself, but an imitation, a shadow, a sort of reflection in the mirror of the real world, which is not material, but is spiritual. The real world cannot be known by the senses, but can only be known by a spiritual intelligence. And in that spiritual intelligence, there are innate ideas of truth. In Plato, the soul has always existed. It's a spirit, it has always existed. And in its previous existence, it looked on God. It saw the whole truth. Now, however, by some cruel fate, our spirits have descended into our bodies. And he even accepted the saying of the Pythagoreans that the body is the tomb of the soul. Our soul has descended into our body and it has forgotten the real world. Philosophy is a reawakening to the real world, to the truth that is within us, not outside of us, but which is always within us. And consequently, we have to become conscious of it again. Now, the philosophy of Plato is one of the great achievements of the human race. We have to take it seriously, too. For one thing, we're living in a multicultural world today, and we want to interpret theology to a multicultural world. In the Eastern countries, in the culture of India, and the culture of China, and in a way, in the cultures of the less developed people, there is fundamentally a belief in the spiritual world, even sometimes more extreme than Plato. In Indian philosophy, for example, it is said that the world of the senses is an illusion. It's a mere dream. For Plato, at least, it was a reminder of the truth. But for Indian philosophy, it is an illusion that we must get rid of if we are ever to arrive at truth itself. Moreover, Platonic philosophy has deeply influenced Christian theology. In the early church, it was necessary that the theologian interpret theology to their culture. And in their culture, 
The choice was between the materialism of the Stoics and the Epicureans or the spiritualism of Plato. Although they saw many things in the philosophy of Plato that could not be squared with Christian thought, yet between the two, materialism and spiritualism, spiritualism was to be preferred because in it there was a spiritual world, as the gospel teaches, that God is the spirit and that there are angels and finally, that our own mind and our own soul is spiritual and will last forever. Those things were common ground between Christian theology and Platonism and the culture deeply influenced by Platonism. Consequently, the theology of the fathers of the church the first 600 years of Christian theology, and then the theology of the monks, monastic theology, which lasted from 600 to about 1200 when the medieval universities were founded, was predominantly Platonistic. Predominantly Platonistic in its epistemology. Modifications were made in order to square it with Catholic teaching, but somehow Catholic teaching had to be expressed in these spiritualistic terms. Moreover, that continued. The Protestant tradition was deeply influenced by the work of St. Augustine, who was a Platonist. And so Platonism can be found still in various forms in the theologies of the Protestant churches. It was only around 1200 in the 13th century with the beginning of the great medieval universities that another epistemology emerged, an epistemology that stands in the middle between materialism, and spiritualism. That was the epistemology proposed by Aristotle, a pupil of Plato, but whose work was for a long time obscured and hardly understood, confused with that of Plato, but which in the high Middle Ages began to emerge in its own right character. I've already mentioned St. Thomas Aquinas, and it was a great achievement of St. Thomas Aquinas to see clearly that the epistemology of Aristotle is something quite different than that of Plato, that it stands as a reconciliation of the materialistic view of the world and the spiritualistic view of the world. How was that reconciliation achieved? Aristotle denied that we have innate ideas, as Plato taught. We come into the world with blank intellects. We don't know a thing intellectually. 
but the child begins to learn about its world through its senses. It touches things. It stares at things. It's startled by noises. It's affected by tastes and smells. It begins to learn. And as it learns through the body in a materialistic way, it begins to acquire some kind of knowledge of the world and a knowledge that is valid. The child begins to distinguish as time goes along between its dreams and the reality that it touches when it is awake. It sees the difference between the external senses that contact the real world and our internal sensations, our fantasies, that go on within us, but which are based on our contact with external reality. Now, that's not all there is to thought. Aristotle, in contrast to the materialist, pointed out that Although all of the information we have, all the data about reality, comes through the senses, just as the materialist says, that cannot be the whole explanation of human thought. Why? Well, because human thought, first of all, is expressed in language. And that human language is not the language of animals. Animal language has to do only with sounds of warning and attraction. The mother hen clucks and the little chicks come to her. She warns them against their enemies and the danger to them. But that's not human language. Human language contains abstract notions. Those abstractions are based on reality, on sense data, but they analyze the sense data so as to distinguish clearly between what is relevant and what is not relevant for a given purpose. The doctor who comes in and looks at the patient is only interested in their health. He doesn't care whether they have makeup on or not, how they're dressed, whether they're rich or poor. For him, they are sick or well. And it's his intelligence that separates from the sense data that he gets by looking at the patient and giving the patient tests, he sees what is relevant to his purpose, what is essential. And that's what the word essential means. Essential means what is relevant in the data for a particular purpose of knowledge. When we want to know something, we have to get rid of what is secondary and irrelevant and pull out of it what is relevant to the kind of knowledge we are looking for. And our intelligence is able to do that. That's what intelligence is, and it's different 
than the senses. The senses give us things as they are, but that includes lots of accidental, irrelevant material. It's the intelligence that analyzes that and draws out from it the relevant material. If that were not the case, then the science that materialists are so proud of, natural science, physics, chemistry, and so on, would be impossible. They all have to do with abstractions. The physicist is not interested in whether this object is red or blue. He's interested in whether it is heavy or light, if that's what he's looking for, the law of gravitation. Science itself would be impossible if we had nothing but sense data. We also need an intelligence. Now that is the great point of Aristotle and his epistemology. All of our knowledge comes from the senses, just as the materialist says. But we have an intellect which is not material, which is able to transcend the level of the material, to escape the irrelevancies of the material world in order to get at what is essential in the material world, and to make a scientific, critical kind of knowledge possible. We have then three epistemologies, a materialistic one, very common in our culture today, a spiritualistic one, which has deeply influenced our theology, and to which many people are attracted today as they attracted to Buddhism, because it's looking within, trying to know ourselves from within. And then there is a third epistemology, which reconciles these two extremes. In that third epistemology, we don't begin by looking inside. We want to know what's inside. We want to know our identity, our deepest spiritual self. But we know we cannot do that just by looking inside. If you try just to look inside, you find nothing but a blank. We have to go back to the world around us. And from the world around us and our contrast to that world, come to understand ourself. And so it is the Aristotelian epistemology, which the church has favored in theology by putting up, as John Paul II does in Fides et Ratio, a model for philosophy in its service of theology. The Pope does not say that there is only one philosophy approved by the church. The church allows all systems of philosophy that are true enough and valid enough that they can help us understand the Word of God. But it is found ever since the time of Thomas Aquinas that the Aristotelian approach, because of its balance, because it is free of the dualism that separates matter from spirit and puts them in divorce from each other, has been the most helpful and useful in theology. And so in the subsequent lectures, it's going to be the Aristotelian epistemology that I particularly emphasize 
but I'm also going to make reference to the value of the other two. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.